black people, all people. Good, good evening. David McGuire here. Uh, AOS podcast episode four. We're excited to be here. Got my boy Doc with me. Our boy Ball, he'll be on a minute, but uh, it's episode four, man. Doc, we made it to episode four, man. Four episodes. Hey, they, they, they knocked us off the air yet. They ain't knocked us they, off yet. They ain't knocked us off. They might, they, somebody might have to today. Somebody might have to. <laughs> it's about to be real. It's, it's about, about to be, to be real, real. real. Absolutely. If you're just tuning in, first time listening to the AOS podcast, first, want to welcome you and thank you for our uh, faithful listener and follower. We want to welcome you and thank you. If you haven't done so already, I need you to do a couple things for me. First, go to Twitter, follow us at the AOS Podcast One. Go to our Facebook page and follow us at the AOS Podcast, and then subscribe to our YouTube page, AOS Podcast. For our new listeners, check out that uh, YouTube page because I want you to catch up on our last three episodes. Want to shout out uh, the Trailblazers. We have a black hands for, for putting it on for us. We appreciate you. We're gonna make sure we represent. But tonight we're gonna have what we like to call a Greek civil rights council. <laughs> That's what we're gonna do, right? And so I'm gonna represent Alpha Phi Alpha. Doc, who you represent tonight? Uh, we representing the one and only Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated, Blue Fight. There you go. And then when Ball hop on, I'm going to get Ball his shine to represent his organization. But tonight, you know, we got some things we're going to talk about. So we're going to talk about Greeks in the civil rights movement because it is timely with everything going on. This is the 57th anniversary of the March on Washington. And I have a dream speech and we got folks right now marching on Washington. So we definitely appreciate that. Um, but we're going to have our own council because other things we need to talk about. A lot of things happening, not just with us personally, but a lot of things happen in society. We just want to have this time to talk about it. So again, comment. We'd love for you to share this video, like this video. We're going to try to do numbers on this video. So uh, comment on the video. We'll get those uh, posted. If you represent a Greek organization, I want you to jump into the comments, represent your organization for us. We're going to jump right in. So Doc, look, it, it's been a week for me. Mm. School's going great. Let me just say that. We, we, we're now at our second week of in-person, so school's going great. Uh, shout out to the team at Tinley Summit in Indianapolis. But for me, so there's an organization that came. I'm sure you probably heard of it. Some of you heard of it. It's, it's called Surge. And so Surge is in Kansas City. It's in Chicago. It's in Oakland. And this is the first year it's going to be in Indianapolis. So, you know, Surge is, is, is highlighting leaders of colors, black and Latinx leaders uh, in spaces to try to push conversations. Uh, shout out to uh, so we're, we're, I, I apply because they're coming to Indianapolis and, I, and this is finally something that our city needs. And we have some educators of color doing the right things and leaders of color is pushing the conversation, but we needed somebody from the outside to help push this conversation. So, you know, like everybody, I was excited about Surge, you know, shout out to, uh, to, to Dr. Uh, Charles Cole, who's, who's a Surge alumni, my homegirl, Tanisha Peoples and Jadon Hemingway, who told me all about Surge. So man, I, I applied dog, right? And I knew it was legit because, oh, wait a minute, got my, Bo, what's up, man? Boss in the building. <laughs> Bo, sound ain't working, though. You sound, you, hey, got that, uh. You're still mandatory hey, reporting. Yeah, here we go, here we go. Bo, I'm there in. you go. Hey, I'm in. Hey, what's that shirt you got on, Bo? That's what that shirt you got on. Like, what is that? <laughs> oh, there we go. We got merch, y'all. Anyway, hey, Bo, I was about to right talk then. about Surge, man, but before we told folks, yeah. This is the AOS Greek Civil Rights Council. And so I, I talked about my frat. Uh, I told him who I'm representing. Doc told him who you represent. Let the folks know what frat you represent tonight. Oh, well, gentlemen, uh, <laughs> I apologize, but I don't. 
representing the greatest fraternity <laughs> in the world, the Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated out of Howard University, the first African-American oh, black wow. fraternity founded at a historically black university. That's what we doing. Right? That's what we doing. doing? That's what we're doing. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know what? Let's put a button in that. We're gonna come back to that. Okay. Okay. Go I, I got some stuff I want to say. But, but I'm representing. I'm representing the cues. There you go. So, so Bob, man, I was telling him. I was telling uh, Doc, and I'm telling you, and telling everybody that's listening about my surge experience that that happened to me this week. So, as yeah. I was saying, I applied. It was a rigorous. Applica I mean, I submitted my application in like June, right? We just found out in August there was like a three-day, um, four-day application interview process, man. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get in. And this is why I'm salty I didn't get in. Indianapolis is not Oakland as far as leaders of color. It's not Chicago. And I don't even think it's – I don't know much about Kansas City, but I don't think it's Kansas City, right? And so when I think about – not getting in and listen i know most of the people that got in congrats to them shout out to them. this is not me bashing them i just got some questions because i believe in the work that i'm doing and i just want to know why to get in so i reached out to them right because they told us if you don't get in reach out and we'll give you some feedback i did, i thought i had to get in on tuesday sent the email that day it's friday i ain't heard nothing to me that's fishy I'm just going to say it a little fishy. I want to know because if I didn't do something wrong, I want to know how I can do better for the next time. But I will say this. I'm not applying the next time. I'm not. I, 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 I'm not applying. And people say, are you Saudi? Hell yeah, I'm Saudi. Hell yeah, I'm Saudi because I, I stand on the work I've done. I stand on what I wrote my application and what I believe in. And I'm trying to figure out, man, how they feel I wasn't one of the necessary 15 or 16, whatever it is, to get in. So I got issues. Now, I'm going to say my piece on here. I said my piece on Twitter, uh, but I got questions. I'm not not concerned. I still believe in the organization. I just got some questions of what is going to happen to Indy because I'm not a part of it. And I, and, But I say this, though. I don't need no organization to back me. I've been doing this without an organization backing me, just my school and my belief. I didn't have some fellowship and all that. And so probably what I'm going to say is going to get me in trouble in Indy. Cause that's how people are. They roll in clicks and you can't talk about the click, but I said what I said and I'm doing the work for the people and with the people. So I don't give a damn how people feel about it, so but I'm not applying next year. My question for you is though, cause you know, after this show do numbers and the word get out there mm -hmm. and Serge call you next week, like, Hey, we made a mistake. We saw the show. We want to put you in. Mm -hmm. You going, you going? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> whatever, no. whatever. Listen, listen, man, Come listen, on. the one, th listen, the one thing, well, that's what you want. No, it's not, it was. It was what I wanted, but I wanted to get in the first go round. Don't give me no sympathy because you got heat and pressure. That's cool. I'm good with it. I'm I'm dead serious. I don't. I'm, which is why I'm not applying next year, because honestly, by the time we get the next year, man, I might not be there. I, I might be in a different space as far as my leadership. And again, I got this far without them, so I'm gonna keep it going. And plus, I got my boys, right? I got my AOS podcast. So if I need anything, man, I'm going to come to, if I need something, I'm going to come to Cali, right? Or, yeah, or gotcha. hey, hey, God, I man, might, I, I, might I call ELA. Hey, man, look, I call ELA, man. So if you need an English teacher, man, look, your boy taught fifth and up. Well, <laughs> hey, I, 
Well, I'm gonna tell you. So I'm, I'm a former math teacher, and I remember back when I was going through getting my degree, trying to figure out what I wanted to teach. My advisor, Mr. Allen Black, shout out to Mr. Allen Black from University of Nebraska Omaha. He told me I was, I was gonna be a gym teacher, but I wanted to coach, and he was like, "Look, I'm just gonna roll some basketballs out there at the school. I'm going to football practice," and he was like, "You could do that." And I ain't gonna be mad at you, but basketball coaches come or you know, gym teachers come a dime a dozen. Dime a dozen, man. He mm -hmm. said, well, you know, but if you do math, science, or sped, he says you're gonna always have a job. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna go ahead and go math. And I remember when I got my uh was interviewing for my first math job. One of the people told me, like, you you got you 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 got the trifecta. You a black male teaching math. You always gonna have a job. So Period. I might be looking for one soon. Hey, listen, I'm telling you, man, with, with everything going, listen, my, my school backs me, my network backs me, and I'm good with that. But here's the thing, man, Indy, Indy's all about politics, man. It's all about, like, who you know and who you tie to. And again, I, I, got, I, got, I got some good friends that are in that organization, and I'm going to support them and back them. I'm just saying, man, like, the direction, hold on, let me just say this. I built the Recess Podcast with nobody in Indy. On my own, and right? Everybody trying to jump on. Everybody trying to jump on. All the folks in your uh in your, your district trying to jump on the man, podcast. Everybody's trying to get on the podcast, man. Everybody got a podcast all of a sudden, man. Hey, what, 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 what day the podcast? What day is the recess podcast? Thursday, man. I moved to Thursdays because Tuesdays everybody trying to do a town hall on Thursdays. Well, nobody doing town halls, man. Now everybody doing a mm. town hall. But anyway, we got these comments, man. Look. Doc, but why why go through these comments and, and, and uh put these people on there? You you became a published author the past couple weeks, man. Like yes. so yes. so tell the folks, man, what the book is. I know you touched <laughs> on the previous shows, man. Go into details, man. Don't give them too much because then people ain't gonna buy it. They gonna buy the book. Hey, so yeah, I'm 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 gonna give y'all a little bit of a taste of wet your whistle. But honestly, if you ain't got the book, the book is called Voices Volume One by BME STL, which stands for Black Male Educator St. Louis. Uh, I'm a part of the Black Male Educators Greater Kansas City. Um, and really where the book started at, or before I get into that, go get the book because all profits from the book, 100% of the profits, we ain't getting nothing. We are putting towards a scholarship for young black men going into education out of high school. So please go get the book to support that cause. 100% of the profits are going towards scholarships for black males going into education uh, coming out of high school. So please support the book and go pick up a copy on Amazon. When we dropped the book, the book dropped, I think it dropped uh, when we, we when I was on the, doing the road show in New Orleans, it dropped that week. We were we were the number one book on Amazon, the number one new release book on Amazon for uh, educational policy and reform. Uh, I, mean, it, I mean, the book has taken off. Uh, so to kind of give you the background of the book and I'll take you from the back up until what happened this past weekend. And that's why we had to reschedule the show, you know, uh, Mr. McGuire has some daddy duties and I have some traveling um, issues. But so pretty much um, back in uh, late May, early June, um, I was asked to speak at the Missouri Leadership Academy um, ending end of the year ceremony. Um, and I was a part of the Leadership Academy 35th cohort last year, um, met some amazing, amazing people. Uh, I mean, some truly, 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 truly amazing people uh, in that program. And um I was asked to speak and basically the keynote speaker was spitting, speaking on grit, grace and gratitude was the three topics. And he asked, you know, uh, three different people to speak on one of those. And I happened to speak on grit. And really, I came in um, to the speech and went off the dome, like just went off the dome about what it means to have grit. What is it? You know, 
where does grit come from? I, I had a chance to really acknowledge my grandmother, who literally I wouldn't be sitting in these seats with these five degrees hanging behind me if it wasn't for my grandmother uh, who passed away um, literally uh, six months before I uh, got hooded with my doctoral degree. Um, and just really talked about how you can't teach grit to the grittiest people on the face of the earth. You know, you can't teach grit to the descendants of Sojourner Truth and Frederick Douglass, Crispus Attucks, Madam C.J. Walker, those kind of people who have endured over over centuries. You know, that grit is just a part of us. It's who it defines us. Um, and really, it just kind of like I said, went off the dome and didn't know that some people that was a part of my uh, Leadership Academy cohort had, was actually recording it. And we was on a Zoom call like they had their phones out recording the Zoom call and start sending it to me. And was like, dude, you need to like put this in an essay and get it published or something. Like, people need to hear this. So uh, at the same time, like nothing happens. You know, I feel like God doesn't do one thing at a time. At the same time, my boy uh, Dr. Howard Fields, who's out in St. Louis, uh, he was putting together this project called Voices, and he was like, "Hey, I want you to, you know, make that a part of the the, the book." So you know, I wrote that. So basically, the book is made up of thirteen black male educators who basically wrote some kind of essay, uh, um, a poem, some kind of writing that speaks to their journey in education and what it took for them to get to where they are at today. Um, and now, um, so we released the book. The book has been getting crazy traction, um, you know, flying off the shelves everywhere. You know, so last Saturday I was in St. Louis. We had a, a book release party and a signing. And uh, I literally probably signed 200 books. Ooh. I mean, it, it was crazy. We had one guy who was a part of the uh, I am my brother's key. I am my brother's keeper mentoring program who came and bought who got 40 books on the spot. Um, and the good thing about it was so we, we did it at the uh, I see me African-American children's bookstore in St. Louis. I went into the store. I ain't never seen an all black children's bookstore. Um, and we didn't charge people for, for our book. We, we gave it away for free. All we asked was that you would patronize the bookstore that we was at. That was the only mm -hmm. thing we asked. Mm -hmm. um, did the book signing and now we're in the process of now writing a curriculum to go with the book to try to get it into schools because we had a lot of librarians from schools a lot of uh school principals a couple of assistant superintendents that came out and had read the book talked to us and kind of everything so now we're in the process of writing a curriculum to go with the book and the purpose behind the book is it is to motivate um high middle school and high school black males to go into education and to talk about how their voice matters in this field of education. We can't make changes the way we do. Um, and just from that whole thing, I mean, this whole summer has been, you know, a phenomenal thing um, with that, and, you know, kind of a testament to the eight black hands who kind of gave me a platform with that. Uh, I really want to shout out real quick, because it's going to be kind of my segue to Brother Elmeki, who Wednesday night, I got a chance to be a part of a principal's roundtable uh, with him and about, was about 12 people that was on the Zoom yeah. from all over the country. And Brother Ball, you know, my co-host was on there with me. So I'm going to give uh, throw it over to him, let him kickstart kind of what that roundtable was about um, and how, you know, our black voices was powerful in that in that space. Right. Real quick, Bob, before you do that, uh, Doc, again, somebody asked what the name of the book was. Could you, you share that again for yeah, me? Yeah, I'm going to put it in the chat in a second, too. But the book is okay. Voices by, uh, by BMESTL Volume 1. Matter of fact, I got my copy on my uh, table right over there posted. Uh, but I will put it in the chat. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go get the uh, Amazon link and put the Amazon link in the chat for you. And so here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do for the uh, for those listening. If you are if you're somebody that's working with young men or or you have a young man or, or, or something like that, and you feel like this book will be valuable. Here's what we're going to do, because, you know, it's 
it's it's AOS podcast. So I want you to email us at the AOS podcast at Gmail. So that's the AOS podcast at Gmail. And what I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna I'm challenge my co-host to do is, I'm gonna buy for the first person that emails seven books. And why seven? Well, cause you know, it's the founders. And so I'm gonna do seven for the jewels. So I'm gonna buy seven books for somebody reaches out and I'm going to challenge my co-host to do the same thing. So again, if you want to get that book, support my boy Doc, but more importantly, support what they're doing. So that's email us at the AOS podcast at Gmail. Uh, I'm Dave McGuire. Just say, hey, I want to buy some books. I'm going to buy you seven to represent the jewels. So uh, I'm I'm, going to run that back because we all about, you know, multiplying things out here. I'm buying 15 books. I'm I'm buying 15 books because I'm taking the three founders of Phi Beta Sigma times our sisters, the five founders of Zeta Phi Beta and getting 15. So I'm buying 15 books out here. Shout out to the Blue and White family. See, now the AK is about to come for me. Shoot. <laughs> and I can't do it now because you did it first. But I'm going to just stick with my seven. I'm going to do the seven again. Uh, Doc's going to do 15. Ball, what you got on it? Got? Uh, I take that 15 and raise you to 20. There you so, go. So, you know, I, I, I got to represent my frat. So, um, you know, those that know the cues know nah, you with go. 20. So, yeah, look. So, so, so we got you. So please, 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 please reach out to us so uh, so, so we can support the book. And we can, books we, up we for grass. There you go, man. And, and here's the yeah. thing. It's up for grass. We're doing it for, for a good cause, supporting DAPAS. Uh, most importantly, supporting the mission and the work that they're trying to do. Um, and, and it's not just something that can be done. You know, and, and, and Grandview can be done in Indy or can be done in, in Cali. This is something that, that we need to get across the country. And so, again, the link is right there in the chat. I'm going to put it up here. The link is there. And we got the books. Email us. The AOS podcast at Gmail. So, all right, I'm off that. So, Bob. So I, I, I want to follow up real quick with Doc. So, you know. I, I, I was a, a co-author of a book uh, a s- several years ago, but can you talk about that publishing process? Did you guys self-publish or did you go through somewhere somewhere else? And, and you don't have to spend a lot of time. I was just curious because because I know, you know, that's the thing that's holding folks back. Like, right. So um, basically, we, we, we did do the self-publishing and because I know when we went through Amazon, there was going to be an up cost and it was going to cut in on our profit margin and all that. So we did kind of everything in house to make the profit margin bigger. And I want to reiterate, I cannot say this enough, that 100% of the profits from the book is going to scholarships for black males going into education. Like for that, for that reason alone, you should go buy the book. Uh, but yeah, we did do in-house, um, you know, and I, and like I said, shout out to uh, Dr. Howard Diggs and shout out to um, Howard Fields, sorry, Howard Fields and Dr. Diggs, uh, I believe uh, brother, Diggs, unfortunately, is an alpha. Uh, <laughs> I mean, of course, man. You just—I mean, you, you gave him a shout out for a reason. I mean, uh, but they—they they, they were the ones that spearheaded this whole project. Um, they got all the publishing done like that, but we did do you know a lot of it in house um, for a fact, though. So, man, I, I, I love it, man. So I want to hear about this roundtable, man. Because look, uh, shout out to Dr. Murph, who's a uh, principal here in Indianapolis. I saw her on there, and I just so I know between Murph, you two. Brother Elmecki, I know it was some heat coming out of that. So I'm about to sit back like everybody else uh, that's tuning in. We appreciate you and just hear what came out of that. Yeah, so it was a really good discussion. If y'all aren't following uh, the Principal Project on Twitter, it's uh, at Principal P-R-O-J on Twitter. 
basically, you know, they've re they reached out to to me on several occasions, and I'm not sure about you, Doctor Smith, how many times you know they've reached out reached out to you, but you know, I'm active on Twitter. You know, I'm I'm sharing my leadership experience there, and so you know, they 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 saw a few tweets, and um, you know, fortunately, this was the second time that I've been able to participate with uh, with, with Brother Elmeki, and really, it's just you know, pulling in principals and assistant principals and basically educational leaders from around the country and just seeing, you know, what has your experience been like? So we met one time over the summer and then this time on Wednesday, you know, our focus was how are you returning back to school? And there were so many different variations of how districts and schools and charters are approaching this thing with, you know, I mean, it just underscores where we're at as a country when for all 12 of the leaders that were on that call, 12 different videos and plans for how to reenter school. So, so me personally, I am completely 100% virtual. Um, there are folks that are getting ready to go back in person. There are folks that are ready to go back in hybrid. And we were just sharing, you know, that experience and kind of that process. So we started off with introducing ourselves and then we went into uh, how, how we're uh, starting off with our back to school night. Uh, uh, one of the fellows that joined in, um, uh, Tony uh, Tarkala, and he's in Florida, principal in Florida. And he started off saying, hey, you know, I just got back from uh, our back to school night. And so we went into the stories about how we're approaching that and the fact that, uh, you know, we're not able to, to do it like we have uh, in the past, a lot of us. And so, um, you know, mine was through all of our uh, teachers making recordings. So the admin team, counselors did pre-recordings and we posted it on our website so our families can go. Our, our back to school night was last Thursday. And so folks can go onto our website ih.schoolloop.com. Check us out. Um, back to school night. You can watch our videos and our teachers did an amazing job. But just the, just the challenges of, of coming up with plans and, and the technology and how we're training our teachers. And, and I think that, um, Doc, you can go into it. Uh, you had a really good plan for, you know, prior to because you guys did a great job of like moving your start date back to make sure that everybody is, is trained up. Some of us were like, Y'all got a couple of days and then y'all got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, I, I think it was just awesome to lean on each other and hear those stories and just be like, man, you know, I'm not in this by myself, you know? I, and, and I think that so many folks took, took different pieces and like, Oh, you know, we, we can do this. You know, I, 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 I can, you know, I can help build out that platform or I can go get my teachers trained on, you know, get them Google certified in the time that we have or all different types of approaches. And it's just good to to have that, that ability in that platform and, and taking that time to to dig deep and ask questions and or just sit back and listen and soak it all in. Yeah, and my, I'm sorry, I'll kind of start out. The piece that I, I loved about the conversation is because. I think a lot of times, and it's crazy because they was just talking about this on Freedom Fridays with Chris and Brother Elmeki, um, is that a lot of times we get these these figureheads that speak for education, and not saying that they don't mm. do the work and they aren't doing, you know, or they've done the work and don't deserve those accolades or nothing like that. Um, but to sit down and talk to practitioners that are in the trenches, 
mm-hmm. and to hear what they're doing. Like you're not hearing from somebody that ain't been a principal in the last 10 years or that hasn't experienced what it's like to be a principal during COVID. And that's the one thing that Brother El Melky kept saying. He was like, you know, I respect y'all because I've been a yeah. principal, but I'm not in the trenches right now. Like the stuff that I thought, you know, what I was doing, I wouldn't even know what to do at this moment right now. So that was the, you know, the, the part that I just loved was to hear from people who was in the trenches and this is what we're doing. And we were able to kind of just basically piggyback off of each other and really, hey, here's what I'm doing. How can you modify this? How can you do that? We talked about our back to school plans. We talked about our PD plans and I'm gonna try to share my screen. Uh, maybe we got this rocking like it, you know, last week we were kind of having some problems. Let's see. Mm. Yeah, and, and I think just to go along with what you were saying while you bring that up, Doc, that, um, you know, stuff that were challenges, mm-hmm. you know, just a year and a half ago, like we would take those challenges in a heartbeat, you know, based on all the different intricacies that we are facing right now with, uh, you know, trying to manage um, technology distribution and technology issues and and just trying to level the playing, playing field um, more so with all of our students, you know, do you have that Wi-Fi, you know, are you to get food, you know, all those different things that go along with um, the challenges of COVID um, just aren't thing really had to dive into. We were fully, um, you know, on campus. And I think it's important. Uh, and Doc, I got it. I got it on here. So just let me know when you want me to queue it up. But I think it's important when you talk about that conversation that you all had, because a lot of times in our own cities, we have these conversations. But it's always good, man, to, to talk to principals and leaders in other cities who are experiencing something similar, because this is probably the one thing that we all jointly uh, what, no matter what city or state that you're in, that we all can come around and say, we're all trying to figure out how we reopen safely or how we survive virtual learning, right? And I think this is one of the first times that I can think of in history and education where we all had to think about, you know, what it's like to open a school during a pandemic, right? Like Katrina was isolated to like New Orleans, Texas, right? And, and so, and, but COVID, man, is across the country and we all got shut down and we're all trying to reopen. And so and before we go to the plan, and one of the things I, I want to highlight that Sharif talked about at the beginning is like everybody across the country is opening up a brand new school because things we're doing weren't done before this year. I think I just shot my welcome back video today and I told my parents like this is a school year unlike any other start of any school year we've ever experienced anything like that. And then like just the other challenge, COVID is just one challenge. There was a, 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 a guy on there from think Northern California that's dealing yeah. with the fires up there right. and his school's an evacuation zone. Like, how are you dealing, you know, so COVID is just one thing, but how are you also dealing with that there? But if you could, uh, uh, Dave, go ahead and cue that up. And this was basically our plan right here. Uh, basically our, our district, fortunately, I mean, we was blessed that we pushed school back till September 8th. We were supposed to start this past Monday. Um, but early on at the end of July and beginning of August, we decided to go ahead and push school back to September 8th. And then we brought teachers in at about the same time. And we took two, we were basically just finished up week one of straight PD, um, PD and planning. And um, this is the plan for my building specifically. Um, You know, basically we went through and the first week we really highlighted Canvas. Canvas basically is the online platform we're using to house all of our um, content that we're delivering to kids as well as communicating to parents. So we kicked it off with getting started with Canvas uh, well, we actually kicked it off with just with a breakfast, a grab and go breakfast. And I did my welcome 
set the priorities. Um, and then we just went into Canvas training, really getting teachers on how do you build modules? How do you do quizzes? Like really giving them a whole day and a half just around how to run Canvas. And then from there, we started to go into um, how do you how does Canvas work with Google Classroom? How does Canvas integrate with Zoom? Uh, on Wednesday, we started looking at PlayPosit, which is another app that we use um, kind of like <clears throat> to help another app we use to give uh, a asynchronous instruction to students. Um, we talked about what are essential standards and accelerated learning. You know, we went into all of that. And then today we capped it off pretty much with a day of planning and collaboration, you know, with everybody to kind of sit down and really start to map out. Now that we you know, know what school is going to look like, how do we actually make that look? How do we map out what day one on September 8th is going to look like? You know, building in those get to know you, understand uh, students' expectations, things like that. And then all next week, once again, we get into more, you know, planning. Of course, you got to do convocation. Everybody got to do convocation. Um, but the one thing that we tried to wanted to do is now that we've showed teachers how to do Canvas and what it can look like, all of our PD going forward, we have put in Canvas so they can start to practice with it and see what it's going to look like from a student side of things. So we really try to give them the training, but then also let them use it from the student side. So as they're building things, they know how students are going to be interfacing with the uh, with the program. And then next week we have Learning Science Institute coming in. And they're going to do some training around relationships, routines, and rigors from a virtual platform. So how does that, what does that look like virtually? And then also they're going to talk about how, does mon how do we monitor and verify learning from a virtual standpoint. And then you can see right after those PD sessions, we have times for teachers to sit down and have those conversations. Okay, now that we got this training, how do I take this and implement it into what we're trying to do around the building? Um, and then Wednesday, once again, giving them try to give them some more uh, planning and collaboration, collaboration time so that when September 8th comes, they can hit the ground running. Uh, and then you see on Thursday, August 3rd, principal check in. We're going to talk about social justice. We're going to talk about what's been going on this summer. You know, the Black Lives Matters movement. What does that look like um, when our students come back and start asking those questions on, you know, what just happened in Wisconsin? How does how do I give my teachers the vocabulary to be able to have those conversations? Because some of my teachers don't have it right now. Uh, so, like I said, we were blessed to have these two weeks to really hone in and get teachers prepared. It has really taken down anxiety right in the pre-show you know dad we was talking i read you some of the emails that my teacher sent me about how this week went and they are so appreciative of being able to kind of know exactly what things are going to expect giving i got thank you emails today and they just found out today our whole virtual plan changed today so even after that yeah. they were they were still like hey you know the way you explained it and how everything worked i'm still good with it so these two weeks was a blessing man i can't i can't put into words how blessed these two weeks was to kind of get teachers prepared. This week was so productive. I can't wait to see what next week is going to bring. Um, but that was part of the conversation at the round table, kind of what are we doing to prepare teachers? And it was crazy. Like I said, like boss said, you had some people who um, were, uh, had two days to prepare and then you got some people that got two weeks to prepare. So that's kind of the, uh, the, the thing that, you know, I really appreciated about it. So. Love appreciate it. you sharing that doc. That's Love it. yeah, that's good stuff. So, again, if you're just tuning in, AOS Podcast, Episode 4, it's the Greeks, you know, Civil Rights Council. We're having a meeting because now this, this latter part of the show, there's some, some things we're going to touch on. But before we do that, got to give a big shout-out to Unc Ray. Uh, Ray. I don't know if y'all been following Ray. You gotta, if you haven't been following Ray on Twitter, definitely follow him. So he, had a, he, he went into a little uh, mini TED talk on Twitter, and, and I know he's going to touch on it. This Sunday and the eight black hands, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up because I'm we're gonna spend a little bit of time on this because I we press moves and so we dealt with this. So 
Ray's been on this kick, man, about these uh, last minute resignations, Ooh. man. With school, with school starting, so I'm listen, Ray. I'm with you, Doc. Listen, that that shit whack, man. I don't, that shit's whack. Like, like you said, look, have enough confidence in your teaching ability to find your dream job. But here's my thing: if you're not happy, you knew you wasn't happy a month ago. Don't try to drag this on, drag drag our school on because you're trying to find a job. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna stay here. Why I find a job? Because then when I find my job, I'm a dip. Now you didn't put us in the hole and put our kids in the hole, and that shit whack. Like it is, and so I I commend some of those districts that make people wait, like hold people for thirty days when they try to resign. At first, I wasn't on it, but when you experience like somebody resigning like the day before school starts or a couple days before school starts, man, man, it, it, it's that stuff right there, man. That, that puts kids in a bind. That puts you in a bind because now you got to change your. Your, your master schedule because you probably got to move classes around or combine some classes. And it puts everybody in a bond. So yeah. real quick, uh, Ball, Doc, if you've ever experienced it, like real quick, man, like what's your experience on, on folks leaving like last minute resignations if you've experienced or seen it? So I haven't I haven't experienced it, but, you know, I, I think in this in this time, like that's a that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. And you hear folks, you know, chirping about it, about wanting to you know, let, let, let me see what my schedule looks like. And then, you know, I might make a decision. Uh, and, and, and I think it's, it's, it's wild. It, it's, you know, it, it's pretty selfish mm-hmm. to do that, to hold, to hold your, your school up like that, to hold your, your students up like that. But then I'm a kind of flu. Like if there's somebody that's teaching my, my students and they don't want to be here, that's going to be an awful experience for those students. So I would I would rather have them up out of there and we ju- we just make it happen. I mean, you, you talked about it, you know, uh, grit like we don't have to teach us grit like we know how to persevere through different challenges and we make it happen. Obviously, you don't want that, but I would rather have I would rather be in a classroom subbing as a principal. Mm-hmm. And have someone else in there every other day. That's not optimal, but I would I wouldn't want somebody in there that doesn't want to be there, because they're gonna make that that experience for those students, you know, even worse. Yeah, Doc, what about you, man? I'm, I'm gonna try to put this in a way that um, I ain't looking for a job on Monday. <laughs> uh, but pretty much, um, I've never experienced it either. You know, I, I've never experienced that. However, I will say there are a couple people right now. Um, even though we've had a productive week, Uh-oh. that I would happily write their resignation letters for them. Oh, wow! So I was gonna, I'm gonna keep it one thousand with you right now. Like wow. I would have, and like Ball said, you know, if you don't want to be here, don't be here. Let me, let me, let me tell y'all. So I told y'all Monday, I did my set the stage speech. Mm-hmm. I told my, we watched this video uh, by Eric Thomas, the hip hop preacher. If you ever watch Eric Thomas, mm-hmm. he got one called "What Is Your Why," and mm-hmm. I told them, I said. I want you to take notes because afterwards you're going to write your what is your why for being here at this building. So we watched the video. And after the video, I told them, look, I want to make this very clear to everybody. If ensuring that the 638 students that are assigned to this building meet their highest potential, if that's not your priority, this ain't the place for you. And like I told you all on day one, when I was a first year principal, I'm going to tell you all on day one of it, I'm a second year principal. This bus is going to Chicago. If you're trying to go to Dallas, this ain't the bus for you. Mm. And Dr. Smith will happily 
get you a bus schedule to find you a bus to Dallas. I will sell some pies to help you raise money to get to Dallas. But if you ain't trying to go to Chicago, it's time for you to get off the bus, plain and simple. Well, I mean, it, it is that simple. I just, again, I, I've experienced that. I've had a teacher literally quit the the Saturday before school starting on Monday. But then in the process, is she telling me it's weighing on her and all this other crap, man? I don't say it's crap. Anyway, she said, I've been wrestling with this for a couple months now. What? So so we just, we, and so I said, did you get another job? I did. So you were wrestling with, with our job, with our school, got another job, interviewed and did all this stuff and then left us hanging. Mind you, she wasn't the best teacher, right? But still like there were kids that were looking forward to having her, right? Because she had built relationships at the time she'd been there. And so the kids that did, did have her were probably slightly crushed, but so, but again, if you're terrible, I get it. But I'm just saying like, it been, she should have said, hey, Miss McGuire, you know, back in June, I'm unsure if I want to return. I'm on the fence. I'm interviewing. I just want to give you a heads up. Cool. I respect that. Let me start planning because that's what you're supposed to do, right? Get some people in the queue. Got to get some people in the chamber. So if you do, I can I can bring somebody up instead of just leaving me hanging on a Saturday. And don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, it, it, is a, it puts a strain on your building when that does happen or if it does happen. Um, it will put a strain on your building. But you know, some people, it's probably better to have that strain than have them sitting in front of students. True. And I told my staff, like my kids, my sixth graders only get one sixth grade year. And if you ain't here to do the right thing, that's going to put my sixth graders behind, which is going to burden my seventh grade teacher, which is going to burden my eighth grade teacher. So, um, I mean, it puts a strain on you, but if you don't want to be here, don't be here. Like, true. I can't put it no other way. True that, true that. All right, look, fellas, so, so here, here's how we're going to do the rest of this show. Because again, this is, this is our civil rights council meeting, and we want to also highlight our own organizations. And I know we spent some time um, giving, you know, researching and things like that. So before we, we got some questions that we need to address, and we're going to get to that, but I'm going to give each of y'all the solo screen. And here's what I want us to cover. I want to, you know, highlight those in our organization in history that it, that is done right by the civil rights movement. But in that, man, there's a lot we need to talk about. You know, a, another black man shot. Fortunately, he didn't die, but now paralyzed. And then they handcuffed him, which is a whole nother story, right? By the police, just here in Indy last night, a black woman was shot and killed by a security guard, right? So there's a lot happening, and we got the March on Washington. So here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to give each of y'all the solo screen, five to 10 minutes, right? Talk about your organization, what they've done in the fight. But I, I want to hear from you with everything that's happening, because I think that's why folks tune in as well. They want to hear from our perspective. We are black men. We are fathers. We are leaders. We're educators, right? And, and people want to hear what we have to say about everything going on. So we're going to go in reverse order of... <laughs> How organization started, which makes me go last because I'm the first. So, Doc, let me give you the solo screen, man. Just again, talk about the Sigma's impact, you know, just in the civil rights movement from, from a historical standpoint to now. But also, man, again, I want to hear what I want to hear from you about everything that's happening, man. Um, and, and like I said, man, we got time, man. So I'm gonna give you five, ten minutes, man, whatever you need, man. So let me give you this solo screen, dog, man, and, and take it away, man. So, uh, so I'll take it away because, you know, Dave want to go last because he's part of the oldest and the slowest. Uh, wow. <laughs> so real quick, you know, uh, let me just start out, start out by saying, dude, like um, I, I get a lot of flack 
you know, from people just um, because I, 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 I can't put it another way. I bleed, I bleed royal blue and pure white. Like it, it's, it's in me. I mean, I got this band when I crossed and I have not taken it off a day since. Mm -hmm. um, like Sigma is truly in me. And I, I grew up um, when I didn't, I didn't grow up knowing, knowing nothing about the D9. Like I learned about the D9 late in my high school years because my best friend's brother was a Sigma. Hence, that's the reason why I became a Sigma. There was no other option for me because I remember in high school, um, my brother's, my best friend's brother chapter tutoring us doing ACT prep and like really giving back to the community. Um, I got a, I got a cousin, you know, that I grew up close to who's an alpha. I got my little brother who's right under me. He's a Kappa. Um, so I, I got mad love for the D9. I mean, we're going to kind of, I'm going to talk about that at the end, just kind of wrapping back to current day when it comes to rights. But I, I really want to talk briefly and I'm not going to get into the details of every one of them, but I do, there's a, there are four men that I want to talk about, um, that I think really define the civil rights movement, um, for, for Sigmas. Um, uh, of course, I'm going to, I'm going to hit on the honorable brother, John Lewis, who recently passed, um, and just talk a little bit about him. Um, I want to talk about the honorable... A. Philip Randolph, who was one of the architects of the watch, March on Washington. And then um, I also want to talk about Brother Hosea Williams, another key integral part of the civil rights movement. And then I'm, I'm going to end by talking about Brother Huey P. Newton, who was also a Sigma, because I think he brings about a different perspective in the civil rights movement that's not talked about a lot in the same vein as the other three men that I spoke about. Uh, but kind of kicking it off, Brother Honorable Brother um, Lewis, if you didn't know, um, became a Sigma. And real quick, the one thing that I that is kind of a common thread through most of these brothers, at least three of them, they all became Sigmas through a grad chapter. So they did not pledge undergrad. So that's another thing that was just really um, phenomenal to me. I did come through a grad chapter. I'm a part of uh, the Centennial line. So I crossed in 2014, um, me and my uh, two line brothers, uh, best known as the Three Kings. Uh, but Brother Lewis um, crossed uh, into Sigma through Lambda Sigma chapter, which is out of Atlanta. Um, basically Brother Lewis was raised uh, born to some sharecroppers. And I, I've heard many stories in the last month or so about Brother Lewis. One of them I heard was a podcast about his life that I uh, was listening to on a flight back home. Um, and just hearing how he came to know the Honorable Dr. King. And really how it happened was Brother Lewis had wanted to go to, to um, school in his hometown um, and they wouldn't let him in. He was a black man trying to go to a white school. So he actually wrote Dr. King and said, hey, I need some assistance because I'm trying to get into Troy University and they're blocking me. And Dr. King basically sat down with him and had a conversation and really said, is this really what you want? Think about the repercussions that would happen to your family if you sue this university to get in. And that really resonated with him. Like, what was that going to happen to his family and his brothers and his siblings and stuff like that? So he decided against going to Troy University under Dr. King's advisement and actually went to a black college in Tennessee and eventually graduated from America uh, Baptist Theological Seminary in Memphis, Tennessee. The thing I like about Brother Lewis is Brother Lewis was putting in work ever before, way before he became known. Brother Lewis was the architect, the organizer of the Nashville sit-in movement, which was the first sit-in movement to get desegregations to happen um, across the country in Nashville. That was the first one. And that was in 1960. He was the first freedom rider, the first freedom rider, and was getting on buses doing freedom rides way before freedom ridings became a big national thing. Um, Brother Lewis, I mean, I can go on and on. He was one of the speakers at the March on uh, the March on Washington gave an amazing speech uh, about 
just just freed workers. And he was also the architect of the Mississippi Freedom Summer. I mean, Brother Lewis has done so much work. I mean, it was truly uh, a loss for the black population to see one of our architects of the civil rights movement pass away. Um, there are very few people that I, I have truly never met, but when they passed away, it hit me in a certain way. And Brother Lewis was one of those people. Um, just looking at his life and what he's done, being a 17 term representative for the fifth district of Georgia, um, you know, architecting, you know, the whole March in Selma to Montgomery, Bloody Sunday. Everybody knows his memorable picture on the march uh, from the March in Selma and Bloody Sunday, how that was really catapulted him into the spotlight. Um, so big shout outs to Honorable Brother Lewis. Honorable Brother Lewis is a part of our Distinguished Service chapter, which is the highest honor bestowed upon any member of Fight of Eddie Sigma fraternity. So much love and respect for Brother uh, Honorable Brother Brother Lewis. Uh, Brother Aphelov Randolph, another pioneer in the uh, civil rights movement. He crossed uh, into Sigma in the IOTA Sigma chapter, which is out of Richmond, Virginia, another graduate chapter inductee. Uh, Brother Phillips spent much of, much of his career really organizing black workers, um, really looking at racial discrimination. And Brother uh, Randolph actually founded the very first majority black union in the country. Um, he went on to become, you know, once again, the if uh, it's depending on what story you hear, he was either the, 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 the originator or one of the most important co-founders of the March on Washington. Like he organized and made that happen. Um, so that march wouldn't even have happened had it not been for Brother A. Philip Randolph. He was also an integral in, in a lot of the other movements going on. And then I want to talk a little bit about uh, Brother Hosea Williams as well who was a part of the Southern Christian Leadership Council, sorry, conference, um, led a lot of different movements in, in and around the Georgia area. He's organized the march on uh, the march in Atlanta. Uh, his legacy to this day still lives on through his organization, Hosea Feeds the Hungry and Homeless in Atlanta, Georgia. His organization has donated billions of dollars to people or to places in Georgia, Uganda, the Philippines and the Ivory Coast. I mean, pioneers in the movement. And then I just want to kind of uh, the last person I want to hit upon, because, like I said, I don't think his his legacy is spoken of in the same reverence as Brother Huey P. Newton. Um, Brother Huey P. Newton was actually um, crossed into Sigma land in 1960 through the Beta Chi chapter to UC Berkeley. Um, as you know, Brother Huey P. Newton was the co-founder of the Black Panther Party, um, along with Bobby Seals. And. I think the Black Panther Party gets a lot of bad rap for a lot of different reasons, but I, I, I'm not going to go down that road. I'm going to talk about the 10 point plan that they built to talk about black liberation, not freedom, not equal rights, but black liberation. The Black Panther Party started several community projects like food banks, medical clinics, sickle cells, anemia testing. Uh, they had prison busing um, programs to get family members to the prisons. They had legal advice seminars, clothing banks, housing corporation, AMLAM service. And if you know, the free breakfast program that we serve in our schools today wouldn't be in place had it not been for the Black Panther Party, who started that way back in 1989. So they are attributed with that process of getting that. I mean, sorry, not in started with the Black Panther Party. Unfortunately, Brother Newton was shot and killed in 1989 over some whole, you know, a, a person, a part of another organization that I'm not going to get into, basically trying to make make his mark and took Brother Newton out, who was doing great things um, in the community. Um, so I think those four brothers are, you know, my highlights of my, my fraternity. I can go on and on and on about many other brothers. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the Honorable A. Langston Taylor, the Honorable Charles I. Brown, and Honorable Leonard F. <clears throat> 
Leonard F. Morris, who was the founders of our fraternity and wouldn't be here today. There would be no singers if it wasn't for those three men and their vision back in the day. And I just want to end a little bit with kind of what Sigmas are doing today. I, and I'm going to be quite honest. I, I, I really don't feel like besides, you know, getting a shout out by uh, Senator Harris with the, the AKAs, um, some of the stuff that uh, the mayor in Atlanta is doing and getting some Delta recognitions. I don't see a lot of the D9 organizations at the forefront of the civil rights movement or the Black Lives Matter movement like they were during the civil rights days. And part of that, I think, is because over time, um, people who join fraternities, and this is just my, my own opinion, especially at the undergrad level, they pledge chapters and not the fraternity. So you have a lot of brothers walking around that are letter wearers and not really putting in the work that the fraternity was founded on. And I really think there needs to be a clarion call from every D9 organization that we need to get back to the roots of what we were founded on and what we stood for way back in those years that, um, like 1914, when we walked across the yards of the colleges we were founded on and became great and get back to those things instead of just wearing letters and talking about parties and trying to stroll or signal walk. I think there needs to be a clarion call from the international presidents of each of those organizations, from the uh, regional directors of each of those organizations, from the chapter, from the state, from everywhere, that brothers need to get back to putting in the work that you crossed into doing. You might have had fun in college, and I'm glad you did, but we are here to put in work and lead the next generation of young men. And I think that's what's killing our enrollment is because there, we are showing young black men the benefits of wearing these letters that are sacred to me and I'm pretty sure both of my co-hosts. So with that, I appreciate the time and I'll pass it over uh, to my brother, brother uh, Ball to do his thing. Doc, you laid it all out, bro. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, it's tough to follow that, but, you know, because I'm, I'm going I'm to hit on t some of those points. But one of the things that when I when I went through my research, I was... I was just amazed at all of the black leadership during the civil rights movement. You know, we, we, we had a list of folks that are members of all of our organizations and I'm not going to get into everyone's, but it was just so powerful. I mean, I, I spent a couple hours just like, wow, they did this. They sacrificed this you know, for, for, for us, for, for a legacy of us. And, and I just, you know, I just want to give it up to, to every member of, of the D nine that, you know, during that time period, the fifties and sixties and seventies. And, and, and I mean, it today, you know, just put in the work to lay the foundation because I, I was going through and, you know, I was just, you know, did a, a quick timeline of of all the significant events during the civil rights movement, starting in in 1960, with with SNCC in in the sit-ins in in Nashville and uh, in, in North Carolina and Greensboro, and, and the young people in college that were stepping up and doing that and, and setting up the example. You know, you, you talked about the Freedom Rides and in 61, uh, 62, the voter registration, which is you know a part of all of what we do. Uh, our organizations still do. You know, you talked about the March on Washington and just at, at the Freedom Summer of 64, 66, Black Power. I mean, all of that. Black Greek organizations were the foundation of, of all of those. And, and I can get into, you know, the brothers that were members um, and, and leaders in the NAACP, like Brother Roy Wilkins, uh, Brother Benjamin Hooks. Um, we can look at uh, Brother James Narbit, who was a 
dean of Howard Law and, and trained civil rights lawyers to go out and do what they did and, and, and are still doing. And then Ernest Green, one of the members of the Little Rock Nine, talking about integrating Little Rock Central High School, you know, being as, as, a, as, a, as a teenager doing that and then going on to college. And then, you know, he, he already lived the principles that Omega Sci-Fi was, was founded on. And, and, you know, I, I can go into the long list. You know, we could go into uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson, who's probably one of the most notable. But, you know, kind of bringing it into today, I think one of the leaders of our organization, our grand counselor, Brother uh, Benjamin, when you talk about any type of civil rights case that's going on right now, a black person, unarmed black man or woman, you know, killed by police, whoever, Ben Crump is at the forefront. You know, he's he's working with, you know, with Trayvon Martin all the way up until now. It's just like, you know, I think, Doc, when you go back to, you know, us living the creeds that we all committed to when we were, you know, either in college, undergrad, I crossed grad chapter uh, at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, right after I graduated from college. But, you know, we, we, we've had this in us. You know, we, we were men before we crossed into our organizations. And, uh, you know, we, we've got to get back to that because I, I want to agree with you, Doc, that we're not doing enough. Um, I, I think about all of those men that sacrificed, that went to jail, that probably didn't get a bunch of jobs that they were qualified for because they were considered troublemakers, like we need to step up and, and carry that legacy. And there's just not a lot of us that are, are committed to that, to coming together and being focused. And you talked about the um, Black Panther, uh, you know, 10 point plan. I mean, that's a focus right there. L not just, you know, having equal rights, but liberating the black community where we have control of, you know, our education, our health care, our food that we're taking in. I mean, that is, that is so powerful. And we just, for whatever reason, have, have lost sight of that. You know, it's, it's not about wearing the t-shirt. It's not about wearing the letters. It's not about being able to hop. It's not about all the other things that, that um, people stereotypically think about. It's about being a man. It's about leading. It's about setting the tone for that next generation. And I think, you know, us being black men, being black leaders in education, being men of, uh, you know, of, of the D9, like, we should be setting the tone. These, these young people should be looking at us and, uh, and saying, you know what, that's, that's what I want to be. You know, that's what I want to lead through, you know, because we're leading through we're leading through crisis right now. And, uh, and, and we've really got to step up. We've got to unify. We, we've got to make it happen um, so that this isn't something that our kids and our grandkids are, are living through uh, because because it's taxing. It's so hard. And, uh, you know, I, you, Doc, you talked about, you know, you, you know, what inspired you to get into the frat? I, I, I grew up I grew up in the frat. So I was born in 79. My dad crossed in 81. And uh, and so that Omega Sci-Fi is all that I knew. And I've got um, my dad's older brother crossed. And then my uh, I have an uncle that 
decided to go cap, but you know, we still love him. And, uh, you know, my, uh, my, my younger brother, uh, is a bruh now. So, you know, that, that's the legacy, you know, that that's what we grew up, um, understanding that, you know, we were, we were, we were in this, in this together and, and growing. I mean, I was coached by the bros playing football, uh, as, as a youngster. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to be that example, um, for, for my kids and, and for the kids that I work with on a daily basis. So, um, you know, that's, that's, that's a little bit of where I'm coming from. And, uh, you know, I just appreciate, um, the, the legacy of, of all the D9, especially when it comes to the civil rights movement. Real quick, uh, before, um, Dave jump in with the oldest and the slowest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, just really, I just want to put out this call. Um, we, we got a show coming up soon where we're going to pay homage to our sisters mm. um, in the struggle. So if you are an AKA, a Delta, a Zeta, and we will, I guess, include SG Row as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we want to bring you on the show and just kind of get your perspective. If you are a leader, a school leader in one of those organizations, please hit us up because we do want to pay homage to all of y'all and we will get you the details on that show. And so before I take the solo screen, man, I want to touch on a couple of things that, that you all said. And, and I think the biggest piece is that piece about what, what we do within our organizations now and what it stands on. So you guys both went grad chapter. I went undergrad, Delta Z, Central State, Spring 09. I was 20, 21 years old, man, on a college campus and at an HBCU and I pleasure fraternity. And anybody that's ever been on a college campus, HBCU or not, especially an HBCU, and you're Greek, you know what that comes with. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not even gonna sit here and, and tell you that when I pledge Greek, I pledge it for the right reasons, but I indulged in all the benefits that came with it. I got an, I pay for a party ever again. Right. Um, I did all the strolling and things like that, man. But I'm going to talk more about what happened, the breakthrough I had when I became an adult, right? The moment I stepped into a classroom. And so before I do that, man, I think it's important that what I realized for me is that, and I tweeted it today, education is my activism. So I got to do this. So this, this was a picture taken today. So that uh, the, the gentleman there is uh, Anthony Wallace. He's our SPED teacher. The, 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 the woman down, squatting down is Tierra Willis. She's our second and third grade writing teacher. Man, and, and I, I just picked him up and I was like, look, Friday is the, is the March on Washington, 57 years celebrating I Have a Dream speech. Um, and, and a lot of stuff has happened. What people don't know, there's a lot that's happened on August 28th. Look back in history. Uh, and I got, I got a blog that's gonna drop soon on indie.ed called, um, Black pain, black protest, and black progress, my America. And it's going to touch on the impact of August 28th in history. But I said, man, let, let's wear these shirts tomorrow, right? And it's just the three of us, right? Because like most of my staff is black, but when I think about like this, this movement, we, we constantly are group texting each other, man. But education, man, and school, man, that's, that's my platform. Just like the NBA and, and Brian got his bubble, man, the classroom and our schools is our platform. And I thought it was important because again, I sat and I watched the RNC three days worth or four days worth. And I watched the attorney general of Kentucky get up there and talk, man. And you yet to still arrest these men that murdered this woman in her home. And I got an issue with that. Like this woman was murdered in her home 
and she still haven't been arrested. But let it be one of us murder somebody, we getting arrested, then you're gathering facts. But these men murdered this woman, and you're not going to arrest them until you gather the facts. So I just thought it was important. And we didn't care how people felt about it. And people said that's not a place for a school, but it is. It's every bit of the school. And I'm going to use this platform as a principal of a school serving predominantly black children in a predominantly black neighborhood to make sure that every chance that we get, we're doing this. And I tell people all the time, that board is staying up all year. Unfortunately, we got to add a name. Like I said, the young lady that was murdered last night in Indianapolis, shot by a security guard. We got to add names and we can, unfortunately, we have to add names, but we will not stop saying their names and I will not stop putting this in front of people because this is the type of pressure that we're implying. And so again, we're going to say it, arrest the cops who killed Breonna Taylor. And I, I wanted to share that because it's going to segue in a little bit what I, what I want to talk about. So I am a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated and I, I'm going to spend my time with two people. I'm going to talk about Martin Luther King, obviously, and I'm going to talk about Thurgood Marshall. But there's a quote from Martin Luther King. It says, freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. And I think the issue with what everybody's happening in our world is because finally, everybody, blacks and white, are no longer asking, but we're demanding. And I, and I, ha and I, I tweeted it last night. If you don't want our protests to turn into riots, then stop making an arrest turn into murder. Period. If, you, if you're upset that when we protest that we riot and loot, then when a black person gets arrested, we shouldn't have this fear to, to be shot and killed. Because honestly, like most black men who get put over the police at night in a, in a in neighborhood, we have to be on our best behavior to hope we don't get, get killed. We can't reach for our glove, glove department or reach for, you know, in the dark because they might draw a gun on us and they're shooting us. And then they're asking questions. And what they're going to say is, God forbid, I have a plastic knife from Applebee's in my car. You're going to say I had a weapon to justify why you shot me. So, again, it's, if freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor, it must be demanded by the oppressor. Again, this is 57 years since Martin Luther King marched on Washington and had the I Have a Dream speech. And he talked about, you know, what my children to grow up in the world were not judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. Yet our kids are still being judged by the color of their skin. They see our skin as their enemy so they can never see it as our friend. Or as Shannon Sharp says, right, you see my, my skin as a weapon, which makes you fearful of me, right? My black skin is a weapon to you, which is why you scared me, which is why you're scared of me. And so I, I celebrate Martin Luther King because we all know Martin Luther King and what he stood for. He, he arguably is one of the most prominent names in the civil rights movement. He's probably one of the most prominent names in the fraternity. But it's important that today, 57 years to the day that he spoke, that we honor and recognize him. Because some of the things that he did, again, got us, got us to the point. And you may have your personal preference about how you his approach and everything like that, and maybe some of his so-called indiscretions as a, as a man. But the man dedicated his life, and he died for the cause, period. He dedicated his life, and he died for the cause. It's just unfortunate that 57 years later that I can't honestly say that we've made enough progress. Yes, we put a black man in the White House. Yes, we have a black woman on the cusp of, of, of being the vice president. But still, we're having these same conversations and asking for these same rights that they were asking for back in 1963. But again, we all need to make sure that when I think about my organization, 
that when I represent Alpha Phi Alpha, scholarship, manly deeds, and a love for all mankind, it's about what I'm doing right now, how I'm, how I'm operating as a school leader, how I'm operating as a black man, and how I'm operating as a black father. That's how I represent Alpha Phi Alpha. Am I overly involved in the, in the uh, chapter here in the city? No. Should I be? Absolutely, probably should. But everything that I do day in and day out is to make sure that if anybody ever says anything about Dave McGuire, you know he's an alpha, that they have something good to say. That's how I'm representing the shield. That's how I'm representing the organization. And, and, and to, to what Ball and what Dr. Smith said, that's what it's about. I got alpha tattooed on my arm. I got it the day after I crossed. So it stuck with me forever, for life, right? Because I believe in it. And I joined Alpha Phi Alpha because I had Terrence Brooks and Artis Oates and Ralph Carter and Jasmine Turner, who in a back gym at Central State University, took the time to talk to me as a freshman and a sophomore about ways that I could get involved on campus. Didn't even touch on Alpha yet, but they just talked to me and took me in and looked after me. And so when, 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 the, when the idea of Pledge in the Fraternity came up, and I probably shouldn't use the word pledge, but join an organization came up, that's where I gravitate to. But I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. So naturally, where did everybody think I was going to go? Oh, he's going to be a Kappa, right? He's from Indiana. It's not that many of us. He's probably going to pledge Kappa. But no, what I did was I went to the, to the guys who I saw on campus doing the work. The guys I saw on campus that were leaders in the classroom, leaders on campus and off campus, and was handling business the right way, that was treating women with respect, that didn't use their shield to just get a bunch of women who, who were doing nonprofit organizations and who was doing uh, – community service. That's what I gravitate to. That's what alpha means to me. It's how do I represent that way? It's, it, and yes, we strolled and we threw parties. Uh, the ice cream party is probably the dopest party ever. And I don't touch on that a little later. That's an after show conversation. But we had some of the best parties, man. But I, I remember the marches we did every MLK day in January in the cold. I remember the, the, um, the tutoring programs we did, which got me my first love to, to decide that I, I really want to do teaching. That's what I remember about alpha. And, I, and they talked to me about Martin Luther King and what he stood for and why they were proud for Martin Luther King, not just to represent black men in the civil rights movement, but why he represented the organization. And that's what I'm about. That's how I'm representing the organization. I got this tattooed on me. So I wear alpha every chance I get. Um, every now and then I, I wear my Greek lettering. But I know that Doc and I know that Ball, that every day, that they walk and they operate as black men and black fathers and black educators. They are representing their fraternity. They are representing their chapter and they are representing all those that came before us, the John Lewis's, the Jesse Jackson's, the Martin Luther King's. And like I said, we got a countless list of folks who represent our organization, but it's our job to carry the torch moving forward and in hopes that we spot inspire the next Sigma, the next Q, the next alpha in education, that they're going to do the same. Stroll, party, throw up your sign, whatever you're going to do, you know, share your alpha punch or whatever, you know, do your signal walk, whatever hop as a cue, but make sure that how you represent yourself as a man, that that's what it stands for in your organization. And the last one real quick, and I, I'm going to just read it, right? It, it comes from Thurgood Marshall. And, and I think it's one of the most powerful quotes and it speaks to everything he said. He said, the Ku Klux Klan never dies. They just stop wearing sheets because sheets cost too much. So I'm going to let that sit there. That's all I got to say. 
on that, right? And so before we close out, I give you guys the space, man. I said my closing remarks, right? That the, the clan, they, they, their sheets are in the drawer, but that don't mean they ain't stopped being clans, all right? So again, black people, take care of yourself, love, your, love yourself, black men, protect yourself. Uh, Doc, Ball, final thoughts. One of y'all close us out. We're going to get out of here on the folks. Ball, I'll let you go first, sir. Cool. Um, you know, I, I just want to say that I, I was trying to process everything that's going on this week. And, um, you know, I was watching the DNC. I was watching RNC. And then I, I was I saw, you know, what happened uh, in, in Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, you know, I, 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 it, it's difficult, difficult to process this week. Because when you have folks saying that race, that America is not racist, um, they're not seeing, you know, the, the whole picture. But to get away from 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 politics, to get back to, you know, the central, you know, topic of civil rights and activism and our role in it, I just want to say that we need to lean on each other, you know, lean on our on our shields as as black greeks but we got to lean on each other we're not in this thing alone and we we just got to be be men for our communities men for our family children and uh rely on each other to get through this that's all i got so, so I, got, I got three things i want to just close out when i'm trying to make them you know really quick i know we over the hour mark first of all i want to say you know it, it's, it's been a blessing you know rocking with you boys for four episodes i mean we in one summer we done made some waves i mean and just to kind of we know we talked to y'all before about how we did um a workshop or a breakout session at the national charter school conference and just to kind of give y'all an update our session was top 10 um out of all the breakout sessions for the conference so we hoping we gonna get a call back for next year and i really want to give a shout out to naomi shelton who made it happen for us make sure you go follow her on twitter naomi show at naomi shelton dc and real quick i just want everybody to know this Naomi Sheldon is about to be a celebrity, dude. I don't know if y'all follow her or watch her. So I want to go on record to first say I had the first celebrity crush on her. So she is like a phenomenal. Her, her wordplay and her intellect is on a whole nother level. Like I'll be watching her, you know, on shows just to hear her speak. I mean, she's a phenomenal woman. So shout out to Naomi Sheldon. And when you blow up, just know, you know, I was your first celebrity crush person. So, <laughs> uh, but then I want to talk, you know, about, some words of wisdom that I got from, you know, one of the people that was a part of my process, Alan Predigrew, uh, one of my big brothers who now lives down in Tampa, Florida. And one of the things he told me um, was that um, Sigma's not going to give you, um, you it's not going to make you who you are. It's going to give you a platform to bring out what's in you. And I took that to heart to the point, and he also told me that once you cross into this, once you once you cross those burning sands to become an alpha, a Q or a Sigma, you are no longer David. You're no longer Demetrius. You're no longer, you know, Vashon. You are David, the alpha. You are Demetrius, the Q. You are Vashon. The Sigma goes along. Like you, you can't take these letters off. No matter if I wear my Pelfernelia or not, these letters are with me. You know what I'm saying? Like David, I got a Sigma is across my chest, big as day. You know, I rock my Sigma bling any chance I get. Like you don't take these letters off. So when you are out representing in your school, taking that picture, you're representing alpha. David, when you when Denise, when you walk through your school talking to young black men, you're representing Q. So we might not be out on the front lines, 
But every day we do something, our organization stands behind us 100 deep, 10 toes down. So I just want to kind of keep that in mind. And then the last thing, I'm, I'm going to try not to get emotional because I, when we talk about processing this week. But what I need for the RNC to do for me is I need you to make this make sense for me. How a young man, Jacob Blake, who was going to his car, gets shot seven times in the back by a white police officer, but yet a 17-year-old young man who had just shot three people can walk down the street and not get shot at all by the police. Make that make sense for me. And when you can make that make sense for me, then I'll understand things. But until you can do that, you ain't got shit to say to me. With that, I'm out. This AOS podcast, episode four, we said what we said. The council's been adjourned. Thank everybody for rocking with us. Go like our page, subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us. Uh, I'm going to get this posted because this is going to get a lot of plays. So we're going to make sure we share this. If you've tuned into the show, when we post the link, share this for the folks that missed us live. Catch us again. We, we'll give you a, 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 a lookout, shout out next time we're on. Peace and love, brothers. Go, mom. Peace.